We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. Third special of the week. Can you believe it? Can you believe that we've done three in one week? We usually do one of those every few months. And there's so much that's actually going on at the current time that we're making three in one week, all of them back to back. Today is going to be even more crazy than yesterday. Yesterday we talked about the um, the social management system. That's really what it is. It wasn't really social credit. It's, it's actually a social management system. As if that wasn't bad enough, today you're going to hear things that are even more disturbing. What have you known your entire life? Have you known the small business? Have you known the local farm? Have you known the local shops that are operated by people in your communities? The occasional big box store popped up later on as as time went on for maybe the last 20, 25 years, right? You saw the bigger box retail stores. You had the regional box retail stores before that, but then you had the big national chains come in like Walmart, Target, these places, among many others, of course. But I mentioned at the end of yesterday's podcast, I said, you know what? You people that are perpetuating this within these these institutions and these uh, these corporations that are working with the governments, you people are literally killing the goose that lays you a golden egg every day. How can you be so stupid as to do that? That's the only thing that I can surmise. As a, as a normal thinking person, just the average Joe, and as somebody that has spent time in corporate America, inside some of these corporations, and I've, I, when I say inside, I'm talking about behind the curtain. That's all I'm going to say on it. And I can tell you right now, corporations, they don't care. They care about two things. They care about their bottom line and their image. That's all they care about. They really don't care about much else. But what's going to happen to your life? How is your life going to be affected when they start moving onto a new economy? And you say, wait a minute, no, they're they're rescuing all these businesses. They're, they're giving these businesses the, uh, the overnight loans, just like the banks. Don't worry, we've got plenty of cash for the businesses to help them get through and, and build a bridge and weather this storm. They don't give a damn about building a bridge or weathering a storm or saving your business. Those loans are designed to put you out of business. They want you to take on more debt because you don't have any other option. You're closed because of uh, COVID lockdowns. You're closed because of what could be construed now as climate lockdowns or your business is now restricted because you can't allow by order of the state and the public health departments, you can't allow unvaxxed people into your business or you could be fined up to 10000 per violation. How is that not state interference in your business? How much do you think that's actually hurting your profits? You can only have a certain number of people in your business at any given time. Do you remember that one? You can only have 100 people in your business at any point in time, even though you have a capacity of 900. Why 100? Why not 150? Why not 200? Why not 300? Why does it have to be that? The smaller businesses, you could only have up to 15 people and half of them had to sit outside in the middle of December. What difference does that make? It was the most absurd things. But 
if you look at it in context of what we're going to explain today, it had nothing to do with stopping a virus or, or dealing with uh, pandemic mitigation measures. It never was about that. And we said that at the time, and people were getting canceled who were saying that. All of it was about bulldozing you, putting you out of business, you, the small business owner, you, the small family farm operator. You're the one that they want out of business. That's it. I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all. When COVID first started, when it first started and and the businesses were closed, as the businesses closed, and, I, and I'm talking about like the first, you know, the 14 days to flatten the curve. I remember I was out in public when everything was closed. There was nothing for people to do. And someone looked at me and said, they pointed at a business that does multi-million dollars a month, right? And they said, boy, it's going to be great when that place reopens. And I said, I, I stopped and I said, excuse me. I said, that place you're talking about? They said, yeah. I said, that place is not going to reopen. I said, that place is going to go out of business. And they just kind of laughed and, and and walked off. And I and I said, no. I said, I'm being serious. I said, you you don't understand what all this is about. And again, you know, I got laughed at and you know, off they went. Well, guess what? That business is now fighting for survival. They are not sure how they're going to make it past the first of the year. When I say that they want to shut everything down. That's not hyperbole. I talked yesterday about how we haven't had a say in anything. We haven't had a say in this either. As a matter of fact, even our quote, elected representatives, I'm doing the air quotes, elected representatives, you know, that gang of 535 up there on the hill, they didn't have a say in any of this either. This was done arbitrarily by the White House. And nearest I can tell, nobody in the mainstream has picked it up. None of the papers have picked it up. Nothing. I've heard a few podcasters talking about it already. That's good. That's that's good. I, I like that. The more voices on it, the better. The more spotlight you have on this issue, the better, because this, this is absolutely, I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. There are new terms that they have created that we didn't even know existed. We know how they like to make up words and change definitions in real time, but this is something completely different. In order for what we discussed in the first stage, right, the ideological subversion, in order for that to work, you need to re-engineer the way people live after you've already destroyed and demoralized and destabilized and everything. Once you've destroyed everything in a cultural sense, in a societal sense, then you have to bring in the new way. Enter social credit, social management, right? Because you have to be able to control how people live in the new economy. So if you control people's behaviors, then they're going to have to spend that money that they're going to get in a universal basic income. That's going to have to be spent in the new economy, but you'll own nothing in the new economy. And you say, wait a minute, what about my business? What about my home? What about my property? Well, we discussed that yesterday. All of that is going to get seized. It's going to be a mad, uh, a mad dash to grab up all the assets as, as quickly as possible. All of this is happening at breakneck speed. What Klaus Schwab said, do, do you remember what, what Schwab said? He said, it's going to be like a tsunami. Do you remember him saying that? It's going to be like a tsunami. When all of this starts to come together, it's going to happen so fast that nobody's going to understand what's happening. Well, that might be the case if you're doing it like this, quietly, in the dark. They're trying to crash the system now in a controlled way because they want to be able to come in with corporations on the other side, buy everything up for pennies on the dollar, and rebuild it and re-engineer it their way. But it's not going to be what we are being told. That, that's not what it is. Instead, this is going to be a, um, oh boy, um, I, I, I don't even know how to, to describe the complexity of, of what we're going to get into today. I think Noel Harari said it. He, he said it best. He said the, the next 
the next revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, that's not going to be like the last industrial revolution we had. It's not going to be about textiles and, and armaments. This is going to be about brains and bodies. That's essentially what they're doing here. They're, they're literally trying to play God in this sense. We're kind of wondering why they're making people take all those jabs in the social credit system. You got ads that were put out by the likes of the FDA and the CDC last week saying, it's time to get your system update. Go out and recharge your immune system. Get your system update with your new booster. It's kind of like what they do with uh, with Windows, Microsoft Windows. You know, you get the hot fixes, you get the patches, you get the updates, the system updates, you get the new latest and greatest operating system. But you think, wait a minute, that's that's all that's all like science fiction stuff. That's all crazy stuff. Is it? Well, again, normally, if you if you propose something like this, this would go through your elected representatives, but they didn't bother doing any of that through COVID. Why would they do it through this? If they're going to make a fundamental economic change, you're not going to be consulted on that because, well, you see, you're not a stakeholder. You don't know what you're doing. Bruce, you look like you want to jump in there already. How are you today, by the way? Healthy and alive. Uh, I, I'm just going to take a stab and say that um, they they would do just like they did in uh, COVID with our elected officials. They'll just hand us the ones that they want us to have, you know, through mm -hmm. their uh, mail-in uh, boxes and you know, ballots and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that exactly that. Since you're jumping in there, I suppose let's get started. You have scanned through this entire document. You've uh, you've had time to soak it all in. And uh, quite frankly, I mean, I, I don't even I, I don't know what to say. When you looked at the COVID restrictions, none of that was put to the people. None of it. It wasn't passed by any parliament. It wasn't put through any kind of democratic process. Why wasn't it? Because you wouldn't have agreed to it. You would have leaned on the public officials that are supposed to represent you with letters and phone calls and and visits to offices saying, what in God's name are you doing? So they couldn't do it like that. They had to do it under a state of emergency. The same thing will happen with social credit. Are you being consulted about that? Has that been put forth in any parliament or, or constitutional republic or federal republic in Western civilization? I haven't seen any legislation on that. Have you? I certainly haven't. I mean, we, we try and keep up with that stuff as best we can, but I haven't seen anything on the docket in any of these, uh, any of these countries that show where the people are actually going to be able to decide whether or not they want that system. I mean, if that's a system you're going to live under, that's going to manage and rule your life, your behavior, your consumption, your spending habits, one would think you might have some kind of a say in that. But see, we're in post-constitutional eras, aren't we? We're in a time where you don't get a say anymore because, you see, again, you're not a stakeholder. You don't have a say in that. By the way, if anybody hasn't figured this out yet, the social contract has been broken, if anybody hasn't figured this out yet. If you think that you still live in a democratically run society, you're sorely mistaken. After Brexit, after the, the vote to put Boris Johnson in, which uh, granted he, he turned and everything, that's another argument for another day. After that happened, I think that's when these people had just about enough. They didn't care what you had to say any longer. Once the election of Donald Trump, uh, the Brexit vote, and then the election of Boris Johnson in an absolute landslide, the whole system was literally coming apart. Democratically, as in the democratic process, the voting process that they hadn't completely subverted, that they left hanging open, their, their Achilles heel they left exposed. We got at it. As in the people had one last say to pull away from this, this monstrosity of a global construct. And when you started chinking away at their armor, well, we couldn't have that. We got COVID right after that, if you didn't know. It was a few weeks after that. Now, if we didn't have COVID, you wouldn't have had a reason to bring in 
any of those measures. You wouldn't have had any reason to bring in uh, a vaccine. You wouldn't have had, you wouldn't have had any reason to bring in a vaccine passport. They still don't have a reason to bring one in, but they're doing it anyway. You wouldn't have had a reason to discuss the aspect of social credit. Why would you need that? And you certainly wouldn't have any reason to go in and give businesses unlimited amounts of cash because cash is just like it's worthless now. I, I was talking to Marty on the phone today and he was just telling me about how like money has just become completely worthless, more, more or less, because there's advertisements now floating around the UK where they say, I've got 12,000 pounds in credit card debt and I settled for a thousand. But if they cared so much about cash, they're going to be getting every last pound out of you or dollar or euro or whatever. They don't. But if we didn't have these things, then they wouldn't have an excuse to come in and roll everybody over. They wouldn't have an excuse to come in and seize your assets. They wouldn't have an excuse to replace your currency. But changing the economy, it's one thing to, to ideologically subvert a nation. It's another thing to create a way that's going to engineer people's lifestyles. But you've got to have some kind of an economy that works, right? Because we're told that we've got to transition into these green economies and you know green transitions and energy revolutions and, and all that stuff, right? All the buzzwords, you know, wind, solar, batteries, all that, electric cars, all that garbage, right? What have we seen a rise in since the start of COVID? And, and I, I keep harping back to COVID because that's where we got the genetic modification tool, didn't we? mRNA, the gene editing tool. That's what we got. We even had the CEO of Bayer who came out and said, you know, if it wasn't for COVID, we never could have gotten the public to take a gene editing tool. Never could have gotten them to do that. Well, now you did. But they tricked you into doing it because they didn't tell you what it was. Well, let's just assume that they want to create an economy based around this, because that's what they want to do, by the way. Biden has signed an executive order, and I'm sure he wrote this himself. Don't you think, Bruce? You think he wrote this himself? He sat down with a pen and penned it out himself. Oh, yeah. He, he not only penned it all himself, but he sent all of the the powers that this uh, executive order gives. He sent it all to the federal government sure. instead of himself. So, sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I, I didn't see this go through the halls of Congress. I, I didn't see any of this being proposed and, and read on the House floor or the Senate floor. I didn't see a Senate bill, a House resolution. I saw none of that. Now, if we're going to do this type of... Um, I think you said it yesterday, Bruce, a Manhattan project. You kind of need to you kind of need to consult people, I think. But again, we're in a post-constitutional era, so we don't have a say any longer because we're not stakeholders in this new system. Technically, they did go through Congress, but that was what is it, 14 years ago? OK, fair, so, fair. Well, they, they, they passed one regulation back then or one one bill uh, back then in 2008, I believe. And then they've just... If you look at some of the references in there, the 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 bills that they reference and the the executive orders and everything, most of what they reference is executive orders. But there is a, a that one bill from two thousand eight that had to do with agriculture and let me see let me see what it was called again. I had it pulled up. It was the Food Conserva uh, Conservation and Energy Act of two thousand eight. Okay, it's one of those bills where they pass it. And it doesn't really do anything. It just kind of sits there until they need it for something else. And then they can kind of piggyback it onto whatever they need. It's like a mechanism. You change one thing here, you change one thing there and down here and over there. And it doesn't really, it doesn't work. Just just the, the little parts that you changed, it doesn't really mean a whole lot until you turn the machine on and then everything works. It's kind of like that. Sort of. I'm, I'm going to assume that's the case. And the reason I say that, there's like 15,000 sections. Is that all? I didn't have the time. I, I didn't have time to go and read that. 
That's okay, because I don't think the people in Congress did either. They were probably given all of 45 minutes to read that before they passed it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 15,422 sections to be exact in the summary is what oh, they say. All? So is that all? And uh, that's know, just I, the summary. <laughs> I that's just the summary. I like I, I think it was Rand Paul's approach. I, I like what he said about uh, future bills, as in on the other side of this, once we run a push broom through Congress and, and sweep all these idiots out on their asses, you shouldn't propose a bill that's longer than two pages. And that's it. Anything more than that should be thrown out. That's it. And quit referencing 20 different other executive orders and bills and all of that. Quit referencing all of those. Uh, it's so frustrating because you go through and read the bill and you're looking at, or, or in this case, the executive order, and it's in relation to this code and this code and this code. And you have to go around and dig around and find the code. And the code is another 20 pages long when you find it. And then you have to read through what it does. And then it's referencing another code or another bill that's another 40 pages long. It's just the, the rabbit hole that goes down. Or 15,000 pages. Or 15,000, yeah. So let's look at Executive Order 14081. I will say that again. Executive Order 14081. We got this from the federalregister.gov. I invite you to go and look at this bill for yourself. It's only 26 pages. However, if you start digging around at the other things that they reference in here, as Bruce said, you'll run into some others that are 15,000 sections long. So we're not going to go through all of that today, obviously. But yes, go ahead. Two megabytes of text. Now, for those that aren't aware, okay, one byte is about one letter, roughly. Uh, uh, one kilobyte is roughly a thousand letters, more or less. And uh, meg is roughly a thousand kilobytes of letters. So whatever that is, a hundred thousand or whatever. There's there's two megabytes of data there. It's quite a bit, I have to say. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's 15,000 sections. Uh, I, I don't know how many pages because I didn't download the PDF. No, I wouldn't worry about it. It doesn't really matter because everything in this is 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 just hell on earth anyway. So what have they put forth in this executive order? By the way, this will go into effect with a post haste authority. It's it's not even going to go through the whole rigmarole of going through Congress or anything like that because you don't get a say. And we don't have time to discuss this because it's so critical. We have to rush it through and we don't have time to explain it to you. Even though it's going to absolutely ruin your life, we don't have time to explain it to you. Advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. What the hell is a bioeconomy? What is that? A bioeconomy. That's a new word for me. So bioeconomy has, it, it ranges from um, something as simple as agriculture, uh, growing crops, to uh, biofuels, to uh, gene editing, um, you know, mRNA tech, anything to do with basically life science. Any of the life sciences is covered under this. So you're, you're talking biology to agriculture, like I said. So it, it, it covers everything. Basically, they're seizing control of all of life is more or less what they're saying here. That's kind of what they're alluding to. Yeah, this would this would open up regulation monitoring, um, data collection, every industry that has anything to do with the life sciences. So agriculture, the government is going to ha basically have complete, uh, like they're going to have to have full data. They're going to have to have uh, more surveillance on this kind of stuff. And they're going to start regulating it even more. It's essentially basically fascism over the biotechnical industry. Mm-hmm. 
The beginning of this, it states, it is the policy of my administration to coordinate a whole of government approach to advance biotechnology and biomanufacturing towards innovative solutions in the following areas. Pay very close attention. Health, because they've done a great job with that. Climate change, again, they've done a fantastic job with that. Energy, we're in the middle of an energy crisis. Food security, we're about to have food shortages if we don't already. Agriculture, completely destroyed. Supply chain resilience, which they have destroyed. And national and economic security, which they have none of. Everything that they have screwed up on purpose, on purpose, all of this has been done deliberately. All of these areas that I just mentioned that are in this order, all of those areas have been compromised and destroyed by the very people that are now going to come in and re-engineer all of them. Problem, reaction, solution? Well, I, I think the, the next sentence explains why each of those industries are um, damaged and broken. Uh, the, the next, Please, please go uh, ahead. Cent okay. Central to this policy and its outcomes are principles of equity, ethics, safety, and security that enable access to technologies, processes, and products in a manner that benefits all Americans and the global community that maintains uh, United States technological leadership and economic competitiveness. Um, oh. Equitable. Um, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about uh, how climate change and 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 health and because it when you when you go to equitable, that means if you're a white Christian conservative male. Um, then you're at the back of the line for uh, food, energy, uh, health, all of that. You're at the back of the line because you, you, you've been, you're part of the patriarchy. You've been ruling things for a long time. The, the ones at the front of the line under a, an equitable system is uh, like blacks, Native Americans, Asians, Pacific Islanders, I believe is what they say. Hang on a minute. Are, are you saying that are you saying that you're you're comfortable in your life? Is, is that what you're saying? Are you comfortable right now? Now, see, you, you fit the criteria of all this. You're white, heterosexual, Christian male, and you're really pushing it because you're living in an oil town. That's not just a, a, a strike on all those points. You have like the biggest strike. You live in an oil town. I'm, I'm curious how this will work, too, because um, when you look at some of the definitions later on, um, uh, they they talk about the uh what's the executive order it was the executive order advancing racial equity and support for un underserved communities through the federal government that was one of the the things that they referenced there and one of the definitions that we've talked about uh actually before is um uh the um well the the underserved you know the 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 what was it frontline and vulnerable communities i believe is what it is yes the green and, deal um, yeah. yeah um it, it it just so happens that I am of some of those categories. Native American. I live in a rural area. Um, it, it so I'm curious. Will will those will those override the fact that I live in an oil town and you know, all of those kind of things? No, no, no. It, because it I I think it I think Bruce, you might you might get a visit from a uh, from a climate attorney. Do you know what a climate attorney is? I'm going to take a guess and it's going to be somebody worse than a normal attorney. Well, I would, I would say so because they're just like a, a climate only, only in America and only in this time in history would you be so crazy as to actually have something called a climate lawyer. Like, what, what kind of nonsense is this? Th this is like something that you would see on a on a sideshow somewhere. That's what this is. 
when I see this, when I when I see what I'm about to see here, it's like I'm watching like a stand up comic or something. And this is some kind of a joke. I'm watching sketch comedy that's going on in the halls of Congress. I'm waiting for the gong, just, just like when I hear Klaus Schwab talk. I, I'm waiting for the gong to sound and the hook to come out and pull this guy off the side of the stage. That's what I'm thinking about this uh, this climate lawyer here, a climate lawyer. Think about this. These are the conversations that are taking place in the halls of Congress. Do you like the way that you live? That's an honest question. Do you like the way you live? E- even if you don't have much, I'm not I'm not criticizing. Even if you don't have much, do you like the bed that you sleep in? Do you like the carpet you have? Do you like the clothes that you wear? These are legitimate questions. Do, do you like the food that you eat? All of these things, all of them, amongst many, many others. The clean water that you drink, all of these things depend on energy and petrochemicals. Every last damn one of them. The smartphone you've got, all that stuff. All that is petrochemicals. Everything. The food you eat. Yeah. The, the, the food you eat, uh, the, the food that's grown. Like, hell, not even the food that you eat, the food that is grown so you can eat it. And the places you go to, the, you know, the cars that you drive to get to the places to buy the food or whatever consumable you want. All of it is petrochemicals. Everything. The device you're listening to us on, petrochemical. Petrochemical. The device we're talking to you on, <laughs> petrochemical. Yeah, the uh, the microphones we're using, petrochemicals. I, I don't have words for the screaming hysteric. I, I feel like I'm looking at a, at a screaming toddler that is sitting across the table in the halls of Congress. This is Representative Clay Higgins who is from Louisiana, big oil state. Yeah, big oil and gas state, obviously. Deep water drilling out in the uh, Gulf of Mexico. He has an exchange with a climate lawyer. Americans are watching this hearing today, and I'm glad we're having it because this is some of the most outlandish testimony I've witnessed yet in six years in this oversight uh, committee room. It's it's stunning. I'm not quite sure. I mean, with, with all due respect to our our panelists today, I, I'm not quite sure some of you are connected to reality. So I'm going to Miss Salter, ma'am, good lady, please prepare your mind because I'm going to ask you three questions. I'm going to give you most of my time. I think it's good that America hears what you have to say. If you had control of the of the world, ma'am. If, if if you did, I mean, you're presenting these grand ideas about eliminating fossil fuel and the, the horrors of, of, uh, of the oil and gas industry and the energy that we consume to run the world and uplift the economic potential and prosperity of the world, which is the, the single most most significant factor that connects the, the prosperity of our citizenry worldwide is is economic opportunity and energy drives that but there you go let me just ask you what would you do i have three questions so try and keep your answers within 30 or 40 seconds please what would you do with petrochemical products okay everything you have your clothes your glasses the car you got her on your phone the table you're sitting at the chair the carpet under your feet everything you've got is petrochemical products what would you do with that tell the world if i had that power in the world what actually i don't need that power because what i would do is ask you sir from louisiana i'm giving you the power you're presenting search you sir from louisiana to search your heart and and understand why the epa knows that toxic petrochemical facilities are some of the most toxic polluting facilities in the the world and are killing black people throughout louisiana so my first thing would be you to search your heart and ask 
ask your God what you are doing to the black That's and our poor God. people I make no apologies in about Louisiana. That. You know, uh, that would be my first thing to ask. Let's just have uh, one at a time so that we can... Uh, That's, it's my time, Mr. Chairman. If I, if I claim, reclaim my time, I shall. I'm going to give this young lady an opportunity. You might not like it, but America needs to hear it. You've got no answer, do you, young lady, about what to do with petrochemical products, so I'll move on. What are you going to do with ocean-going vessels? What do you do with the maritime industry? Well, we could, uh, again, I would ask you to search your heart for what is happening on you the coast no of Louisiana. Of course we like, do. You, we you, need to move away from petrochemicals. We need to shut down the petrochemical facilities in your state and move the, away the from run. plastic. We need the to move away from function. it. You and there are... It's insane. It is what would you do with the aviation The only industry? thing that would not function is the petrochemical industry in your state, sir. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you care about the planet, good lady? Like, do you have ecological concern for real? Like, from a biblical perspective, we were, we were given, we, we were given, the Lord gave us dominion over the planet and the creatures thereof. Now, the original translations of dominion means to care for and nurture. So from a biblical perspective, I am an environmentalist. I love my planet and the people and the creatures thereof. Do you? Sir, if I'm we're going to you, talk about if we're going to talk about the Lord, I ask that you search your heart again and think about repenting. I very quickly. I love the planet. I'm you, asking you, you, do you, the do fossil you fuel industry that owns your state is destroying the earth and the natural world, and that is a fact, sir. You know what you got, young lady? You got a lot of noise, but you got no answers, Mr. Chairman. I yield. Bruce, you live in an oil town. Have you ever searched your heart? Have you ever looked inside your heart and just said, you know what? We've got to end all petrochemicals. We've got to get away from plastics. We, we just need to look inside our hearts and, and play the emotional response to everything. That's what they do with that green agenda, that climate agenda, by the way. They, they don't actually fix anything. They don't, they don't give you actual solutions. They just tell you, well, if you do this, then uh, you'll feel better because uh, this is better for the environment. Is it? Is it actually better for the environment? I mean, I could go on and I could start quoting statistics about these uh, these ridiculous wind farms and how inefficient they are. I could give you statistics about how uh, insane these solar panels are when it comes to actually disposing of them and putting them in the landfill. I could get into you about statistics on these uh, uh, these lithium batteries and tell you how much it actually costs in resources, in resources, raw materials to make a single lithium-ion battery for an electric car. As a matter of fact, I'll give you that statistic. To make a 1,000-pound, as in weight, 1,000-pound lithium-ion battery for an electric car, you need 500,000 pounds of raw materials. How in the name of all things that are sacred and holy is that better for the environment? But I guess I should look inside my heart. So being as someone that's uh, lived in an oil town and has benefited from oil money, uh, the oil industry, uh, petroleum industry as a whole. Um, here's here's the problem with everything that they're uh, presenting. Um, no, I have not searched my heart to uh, uh, answer her question. Actually, that's not true, uh, because part of searching your heart is um, looking at the facts and, and looking at whether or not something is ethical, right? If that's a moral decision, morally correct decision. 
some of the things that were proposed in this uh, executive order were things like uh, uh, changing energy to a renewable uh, fuel source, be it wind or solar, which we've talked about that is uh, hugely damaging to the environment and woefully inefficient, or use biomass, um, or as as um, regular folk know that uh, pellets, pellet stove, you know, that kind of stuff, compressed wood or other uh, uh, renewable uh, sources like that. Now, you can't use nuclear. Nuclear is barred. That is not something you can use. Uh, so keep that in mind. This is this bill completely bars any of uh, nuclear energy, something that could actually work and is actually clean and safer than all other sources currently known. But if we were to look at the numbers and statistics, it is better to use coal, natural gas, and nuclear than any of these renewable sources because wood burning or the plant burning like that, you can't get a hot enough fire or burn to properly burn off the carbon to its fullest extent. Uh, and then what excess is left, you can scrub um, or at least get some of it out. Um, the problem is, is too much carbon is released from those products. So it's far more damaging by their standards than uh, using something like petroleum. Um, so I'm all for staying with the petroleum stuff. Now, that said, there are some directions we can go to get away from petroleums and produce a product that is just as efficient and cleaner. I'm all for doing something like that, you know, going going those directions. We've talked a little bit about, like, for example, hemp as an example, or, uh, you know, the, the, the material itself is is pretty strong, durable. It, it would put cotton out of business, basically. Um, you have other things like bamboo, which can be used for um, fabrics and even down the toilet paper. I'm totally you know fine what? with going toilet I've, paper with that. I've got a bamboo robe. That is the most comfortable robe I have ever owned. Now, it was a little expensive, but my goodness, is that thing the most comfortable? Like, I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I, I want to keep it on. If I have to take it off, I get upset. So, I'm I'm all good with uh, finding alternatives that are more efficient, better, and better for the environment. Uh, I'm I'm all for that. The problem is is the stuff that they're presenting is not better for the environment. It is not better for the population at whole. Like it it is not more efficient. It is far less efficient. So uh, uh, yeah, she is just a screaming banshee. Her last name as Salter is um that it is perfect. She sounds like she has consumed tons of salt and is very salty. Um, I, I it just I, I had to listen to that video twice. And if if I did not have my hair so short, I would be pulling it out because that was absolutely infuriating. All she was doing is going for uh, the emotions and the no, it, you you did not answer one of his questions. He gave you he gave you the platform to say, these are the things we should change. And here's how we change them. Instead of doing that, instead of actually presenting a fix to the problem that you say is there, you just gen up more hysteria and, and more emotion trying to pull on heartstrings at, at no get out. That, 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 that's if, if I was the, uh, the, the chairman or whatever there, I'd be just I, I would have just told her, get up, get out of here. You're done. You, 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 no, you're done. I, I, I cannot stand that. Apparently, you're not somebody that's looking inside their hearts. How dare you? Yeah, by her standards, you. true. Yeah, how dare you? Biotechnology harnesses the power of biology to create new services and products. You see, the government's now going to pick winners and losers. We talked about that 
few years ago when we first saw the paper out of the World Economic Forum saying the governments are now going to pick winners and losers. <laughs> the, the government's going to pick winners and losers. These people have never created a product or a service, and now they're going to create a product and a service. Well, when you're the only game in town, I guess you can do that, can't you? If you're the, uh, the owner of the company store on the plantation, then you can do that. These will provide opportunities to grow the United States economy and the workforce and improve the quality of our lives and the environment. Again, not about doing any of that. We talked yesterday about the social credit score, the, so the social management. Is that going to improve your life? Is that going to improve the quality of our lives? Is that going to improve the environment? Absolutely not. The economic activity derived from biotechnology and biomanufacturing is referred to as the bioeconomy. The COVID-19 pandemic, here's the key, has demonstrated the vital role of biotechnology and biomanufacturing in developing and producing life-saving diagnostics. Life-saving diagnostics. Um, do I have to tell you about the financial incentives that they use in the hospitals to kill you and your loved ones? Or how efficient the uh, PCR tests were, which would fit under diagnostics. Correct, which we're still using, by the way. Therapeutics, which were uh, like the real therapeutics were pulled off the market. You couldn't use those. You had to take the uh, the vaccine. They had to rewrite the definition of what a vaccine is to make it a therapeutic to, to actually be able to tout the political agenda that they were touting. And vaccines that protect Americans and the world. That's interesting. But before before I I tell you what, I, I'm just going to finish this off. And then I've got something I'd like to play from Steve Bannon's show about that particular line right there, because, oh, boy, oh, boy, have they really have they really come up with something interesting here. Although the power of these technologies is most vivid at the moment in the context of human health, biotechnology and bio and biomanufacturing can also be used to achieve our climate and energy goals, improve food security and sustainability, secure our supply chains, and grow the economy across all of America. Before I get to this next part, this next part is horrifying. But before I get to that next part, I want to play this clip from Steve Bannon's podcast. This is uh, Naomi Wolf talking about why your life, my life, and everybody else's lives were turned into hell on earth starting in 2020 and who was behind it. Naomi Wolf, we got a couple of minutes on this side and we'll go over to the other. But tell, walk our audience through what Politico actually came up with, which dovetails interestingly enough what Naomi Wolf told us, I think mm, back in the spring and win winter of 2021, ma'am. Yeah, uh, sadly, we're way ahead here, um, in, you know, and how the apocalypse unfolds. This is, the importance can't be overstated of this article and the, really there's no other way to say it, the global conspiracy that it discloses. Um, and it shows exactly who the players are and it confirms um, what a number of us have been saying, and again, always being called insane, which is that there's a meta-national uh, structure of, of bad actors, notably nonprofit entities, who are simply going above the heads of nation states to create, I mean, I don't wanna use this cliche, but to create kind of, um, you know, one world government is such a cliche, I can't say it, but kind of a, a, a one group set of decisions to affect everyone on the planet. And this Politico uh, investigative piece um, in alignment with the respected German news outlet Die Welt um, really absolutely confirms exactly how it happened. So I'm going to use the rest of the segment just to lay out what is essentially the whole coronavirus drama 
was, um, I, I'm not going to say engineered, but exploited and manifested in the shape it took by four bad nonprofits who held the world hostage and basically laundered money um, in the following way. So Gavi, which is aligned with Bill Gates, the Wellcome Foundation, which is a British um, research foundation, uh, the is a group called CEPI, which is um, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, an international vaccine research and development group that Gates and Wellcome founded, um, all of them aligned to basically buy off the governments of the world when the pandemic hit or launched. So they spent $8.3 million to lobby for certain policies, both in the United States and in Europe. So this is like behind the scenes. They're getting things to play out the way they want to because they've spent millions of dollars. At the same time, these groups gave $1.4 billion to the World Health Organization. Remember, to the World Health Organization. Remember how at the very start of the pandemic, early 2020, our president was making decisions for the United States, the way it's supposed to be in a sovereign nation state. And suddenly it's all about the WHO and it's all about Bill Gates. And, you know, and, and it's but but through the, the medium, the puppetry of the WHO. So these four groups at this point owned the WHO. And again, China, China, China. Gates and China are two of the biggest funders of the WHO. And out of the WHO, all the nonsense was spewed, right? The Imperial College nonsense models, the lockdown model, the declaration by the WHO that China's lockdown model was a model for the rest of the world. Every single wrong thing that ruined your life and your children's life in the last, you know, certainly for the first 18 months since 2020 came out of the WHO. And the script for lockdown uh, in country after country came out of the WHO. And then what they did is they then went to these bought off heads of state that they spent all this money lobbying and they sought money for the vaccines, right? And for no doubt the PPE and the and the, the masks, but certainly for the vaccines. They sought five Na- billion Na- dollars. Na- Naomi, Naomi, Naomi. It's quite a scheme they put together, isn't it? Gates and the Chinese, you know, and that that uh, that ilk. It's, it's kind of it's quite the scheme they put together, isn't it? That's literally like the, the way that she laid it out. That is literally money laundering. That's what that is. That is a money laundering operation. They gave one point four billion dollars, and then they turned around. And they said, we need 5.8 because, well, you you did all these things and, and you followed all these lockdowns, but now we need a vaccine. So you need to give us $5.8 billion in, in taxpayer money because we're the ones that create the vaccine. So we're going to get the ball rolling on that, but we need the taxpayer money for that. You're putting in a quarter and you're getting a dollar out. That's money laundering. That's all they've done. They run around hysterically. You get Neil Ferguson, that piece of garbage out of the UK from Imperial College in London, to say, we're going to have, what was it, like 50 million dead if we don't lock down, which turned out to be nonsense. And he's out calling for it again, I heard. And so you lock down all the nations right? because we weren't going to do that at first. At least it wasn't going to be past the 14 days. Then all the nations started getting on board with the same agenda at the same time. Do you, do you remember that? But they were clever about it. I, I have to say they, they were clever about it in the mainstream, at least not anywhere else. Not in the back channels that we were watching, but in the mainstream, they were clever about it. They didn't tell you what was going on in any other country, did they? Every single country 
more or less was, for lack of a better term, hermetically sealed. You couldn't get any information out of any other country, at least in the mainstream or on social media. They had those two mediums locked down. You were locked down from society. You got pushed into your houses and then they monopolized your perception. They forced you to watch the television to find out what was going on. But you weren't hearing about what was going on in other countries. We were watching. They were all saying the same thing. That had to have been coming from somewhere. These government people are not smart enough to figure all that stuff out by themselves. So there's your answer. But to what end? Right? We go through all of this, right? Because if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have this, right? We wouldn't have this, this bioeconomy or whatever this nonsense is they're talking about. This is where it gets really, really bad. Listen to this. For biotechnology and biomanufacturing to help us achieve our societal goals. Whose goals? Our societal goals. Whose goals? I venture to say it's probably some of the people that just were mentioned by Naomi Wolf. United States needs to invest, needs to invest, you hear this? Needs to invest your stolen taxpayer money in foundational scientific capabilities. I wonder which foundations those are going to be. I, I, I wonder, maybe possibly any of those that were just mentioned? Maybe? I, I don't know. They, they seem to all be involved in the vaccine game. And since we're doing genetic modifications in the vaccine game now, it seems to me that, well, those are the companies that are going to need all that, that taxpayer money, that stolen taxpayer money. We need to develop genetic engineering technologies and techniques. Why? Why, why do we need to do that? I, I love how they, they just assert all of this stuff and they say, we need to do this. Why do you need to do that? Th this just seems like a bad idea. And let me explain to you why this sounds like a bad idea. Listen to this. We need to develop genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictability program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers. Unlock the power of biological data including through computing tools and artificial intelligence, and advance the science of scale-up production while reducing the obstacles for commercialization so that innovative technologies and products can reach markets faster. Ladies and gentlemen, that's too much power for one person to have. We're, we're writing circuitry for cells? I thought that was a, a horrible conspiracy theory. I thought that was insane, Mr. Tinfoil Hat Wearing Lunatic. Right there it is. Writing circuitry for cells. Predictability program biology in the same way in which we write software for computers and program computers. Unlock the power of biological data, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence. Simultaneously, we must take concrete steps to reduce biological risks associated with the advances in biotechnology. Oh, like we reduced the risks with the rollout of the COVID vaccine? Like we're reducing the risks of what's going to happen with the new one they're going to roll out? The CDC director, Walensky, she said that, look, we know we didn't have time to test the new ones on humans, but if we took the time to test them on humans, then we wouldn't be able to roll them out as fast. Yeah, lady, that's why you don't. Th these people are insane. You it's... know, I said yesterday the word evil is going to have to be redefined. The word insanity is going to have to be redefined yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, evil, insane. It's also not just about your, it's not just about health. It's also about uh, uh, climate change, food, all of that. So when they're talking about genetics and all of this stuff, keep in mind this also applies to animals, plants. This also applies to uh, creating something that will uh, eat carbon in the atmosphere or something to that effect, right? Th this is a this is a wide uh, uh, encompassing. It's 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 large. It, it covers more than just health. So, uh, you know, keep keep that in mind as a listener. We're, we're, we're hitting this one up, health, because this is what happened to us recently, right? And, and everybody can reference it. But the things that are coming in the future that they want to use, 
climate lockdowns. They've talked about that before. This this it fits in with the computer models and the the engineering foods and and other products to try to combat it and all that. So here's the like uh, apart from that, here here's the striking thing about this. If you think that okay, well we're not going to worry about this because we're not inside the United States. Wrong. This is being promoted across all nations. Let me explain. They say in here that all of this will be in collaboration with the broader global community, our allies and adversaries alike. Do you know what that means? That means more in-depth collaboration with the Chinese Communist Party. That's what that means. To achieve these objectives, they say it's the policy of the administration to bolster and coordinate federal investment in key research and development areas of biotechnology and so on and so forth in order to further their societal goals. Again, whose societal goals? Not the administration. These people these people are, are, are a bunch of like, I don't know, they're, they're a bunch of third rate hacks. All these people, these people are buffoons that are in this administration. Foster a biological data ecosystem that advances biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation while adhering to principles of security, privacy, and responsible conduct of research. These people wouldn't know responsibility if it jumped up and bit them in the face. Bruce, you talked in prep about a, uh, a data ecosystem. What do they want to create? A data ecosystem? Yeah, how they want to rake so- in like all the all the data from from literally everything. So this would encompass uh, not just the genetic level. So this is this is including possibly uh, monitoring us, uh, our health and all of that, you know, maybe maybe some kind of uh, um, chip or or I don't know, maybe a smartwatch that everybody's required to wear uh, regular testing, um, you know, those kind of things. You, you would be monitored there. Foods, uh, plants, animals, all of that. They're all going to be monitored. You have to have some kind of monitoring system in place for that. So if you have a farm, if you have a ranch, any of those kind of things, well, you're going to have more government regulation. And they may require more testing for, I don't know, maybe maybe like bird flu or something, you know, or, or swine flu or whatever the hell that comes through. Uh, they maybe have to test animals more for that and vaccinate them more for that and give them mRNA shots. Now, uh, corrupting your meat uh, products um, and and causing health problems there. Then you're going to have to have more testing yourself uh, to ensure you have your health insurance or health or uh, whatever. You can go to the doctor and they're going to start using that tech more. So it's just there's so much of an apparatus here. The, the way it's worded, they're going to track everything that involves biotech. And it, it, this this covers everything from energy to food to medicines. I mean, it's it's everywhere. So, you know, keep that in mind. It, 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 this is not this is and this is only an executive order. This is what's crazy. This is only an executive order. So this is something that the let, let's say, OK, OK, uh, it has to go through Congress to really get any power and oomph and. Uh, you know, my representative is going to to speak out against this because, you know, they're, they're pretty strong. This is done at the federal level. The executive branch is doing this. This is this is, you know, the the same branch that went in and and uh, issued a um, basically ruling that said uh, uh, we're going to go in and raid Mar-a-Lago, you know, a, a previous president, you know, and I, I would argue current should be current president. But anyway, uh, they went in and raided his place. This is the same organization that does stuff that uh, FBI, we've talked about what they do and and how they create false flag operations. Same thing here. They can create a false flag operation for logistics, uh, food shortages, or they could generate food shortages 
supply chain shortages. The scope that this covers is is pretty immense and pretty scary. As I said earlier, this is this is a fascistic government uh, taking more control over uh, things that are vital to life. Just on that point, um, if you think that uh, certain people's hands are clean on this, they're not, are they? No, they actually reference some uh, executive orders that uh, President Trump uh, put in put into place in 2019. You know, uh, there was a few. Now, it's possible that he was duped, that that's very possible. Uh, It's also possible that any time a a Republican uses the government to do something good and it's well-intentioned and it's good, it's always bit them in the ass every single time. And uh, this could easily be another because when you read the when you read the executive order, it reads good. It reads like he's trying to make America more prosperous. He's trying to better America. But they're using bits of that executive order to their advantage. And um, I'm so I don't know. I don't know if it's um, if he's on the, the take or if he was just manipulated or if this is a secondary thing and they're they're twisting things. I, I don't know. As we get further down into this, of course, we don't have time to go through each individual section, but basically it's almost like they just like they they're repeating themselves and making sure that they cover all of their bases through like the, you know, the middle third of this, this, uh, this thing. And they're saying within 180 days, within 240 days, within 60 days, 80 days, 190 days, all that stuff, different department heads, because this is literally a whole hog takeover of everything. They actually say in the beginning, as I stated, the whole of government, as in everybody, everything at the federal level will have a task and a a part to play in this. But again, as I said, I want to focus on the international side of things here specifically, because if you skip through all the domestic stuff, you get down to the bottom here into section 12, where it says the international engagement. Listen to this again. If you're from outside the U.S., you are not excluded from this because all these countries and all these heads, just like with COVID, they're all going to be doing the same thing. Everything that's coming out of the WEF, all of this is is one giant machine. So we're just getting a look at it inside the U.S. because this is probably where they're starting on it. The international engagement, the Department of State and other agencies that engage with international partners as part of their mission shall undertake the following actions with foreign partners as appropriate and consistent with applicable law. With a specific focus on, pay very close attention, developing countries. What's the number one developing country out there that's still considered a developing country? It's China, as well as India. International organizations bring on the United Nations, bring on the World Economic Forum, bring on the European Union, bring on the WHO and all their little tentacles and everything else that they've got. And non-governmental entities bring on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, right? Bring on the Gates Initiative, the Soros Fund Management, the Soros Initiative, all those initiatives, right? The Clinton Foundation, all of them. Bring them all uh, on. What was it? Eco Health Alliance? Is that the Eco Health uh, Alliance? Yeah, that's yeah. that's one thing that that, that they did. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, we're getting to that. I'm glad you brought that up. We're getting to that. They're going to both promote and protect the United States and the global bioeconomies. They're going to enhance cooperation, including joint research projects and expert exchanges on biotechnology research and development, especially in genomics. Wuhan lab, anybody? I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I read that. Encourage regulatory Uh, cooperation. Yeah, go ahead. I just was going to point out that was joint research, and they still say it's joint research, and there's still joint research going on today. 
They also say that they're going to encourage regulatory cooperation and the adoption of best practices to evaluate and promote innovative products with an emphasis on those practices and products that support sustainability and the climate objectives. They're going to develop joint training arrangements and initiatives to support the bioeconomy jobs in the United States. Again, bring on the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army and the military research bio labs that they have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bring all that stuff on. They're going to work to promote the open sharing of scientific data, including genetic sequencing data, to the greatest extent possible in accordance with applicable law and policy. In other words, get right up to that line of the Biological Weapons Convention, but don't cross it, right? Life sciences, while seeking to ensure that any applicable access and benefit-sharing mechanisms do not hinder the rapid and sustainable development of innovative products and biotechnology. Develop and work to promote and implement biosafety and biosecurity best practices, tools, and resources bilaterally and multilaterally to facilitate appropriate oversight for life sciences. There's that term. Yeah, life sciences. Dual-use research of concern. That's biological weapons development, if you are unfamiliar. And research involving potentially pandemic and other high-consequence pathogens. Well, I, I can't see a problem there. Can you? And to enhance sound risk management of biotechnology and biomanufacturing-related research and development globally. That doesn't sound like a problem, does it? I don't think so. There, there's no safety concern there, is there? When they're dealing with um, the, the life sciences and the dual-use research of concern. Nothing really to add there. I mean, this covers, as you said, this is uh, the dual-use is the one that really stuck out to me. And it's, I mean, that that that's not just biochemical or, uh, you know... Um, uh, creating a, a <laughs> weapons uh, of mass destruction like that. It, it could also mean just something as simple as um, explosives um, it, or, or even um, really any kind of injection to try to combat it, uh, in biological warfare. And those in and of themselves are a problem because they said everything going forward is going to be mRNA based. So um, again, if they're monitoring everything uh, genetic, it, it, it only means uh, they're going to try to enhance uh, the gene code of, of the human race. There's a reason that uh, the, the other special that we did where they were, um, <laughs> if you're lower on the list, if you're a quarantined or a commoner, you require more vaccines, you know, restricted, you require more vaccines. What, could that be because uh, maybe they're trying to genetically alter you to be more complicit, to be less argumentative? less of a fight in you could it could it be something like that because gates has talked about that before to get that out of people uh because uh it, it'll help create a peaceful uh society that, that also kills innovation that also kills uh our drive to push forward to advance to to be more efficient that that kills that too that's part no, of so that drive. No, you don't need to do that anymore because we, you see, we have stakeholders and they're the new sovereign class and they don't have to take any of that stuff. So they'll, they'll produce everything and make your life better for you. So you, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, 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 again, as I've said before in other podcasts, I'm capable of looking at data and uh, doing a threat assessment for myself and, and deciding which way I should go or what I should do. I don't need someone else telling me. I, I appreciate the data that they, they uh, amass, but I want to look at it myself. Do you want to cover any of the terms that they use in there? Do, do you want to go over any of that or you just want to leave it uh, as it is? Not, 
there's not really there's not really any terms that really necessarily need to be gone over the the stuff in there that they were talking about i i just brought up to you on like biomass as an example or anything that's a bio bio based product is really anything that's main material is biological or or uh, a renewable chemical uh then that's considered uh, a bio-based product and however most of its uh, most of its ingredients are bio-based yeah however that that's actually and now you saying that because i'm sitting here i'm looking at the term life sciences i'm doing the the air quotes life sciences they actually say in here that they will exclude scientific studies associated with radioactive materials or toxic chemicals that are not of biological origin or synthetic analogs of toxins and you said that right there they're attacking nuclear yes uh, that's that's exactly it they're they're attacking nuclear and not allowing you to go down the nuclear route which is an effective way to produce uh, energy uh, for the future. Not just energy, but also material. There's some material that we get from nuclear waste. Uh, as we've learned, blue diamonds, we've talked about it here recently, that can be used for great effect for things like uh, batteries, hazmat suits in radioactive environments, radiation shielding, uh, who knows what other applications, solar panels, we don't know. And that's it. There you have it. Executive Order 14081. I encourage you, I encourage every one of you to go out and look this up and read it for yourselves. Uh, And I would also encourage you to please, if you haven't already, please share this podcast with at least five friends. Bruce, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. Bye.